Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Hey guys, and we're back for another week of Tis the Podcast, the podcast dedicated to keeping the Christmas spirit alive 365 days a year. I'm Julia. I'm Tom. And I'm Anthony. And I'm happy to be back, even though Tom's in a super weird place. You've got window (laughs) treatments up behind you that like are not your style, and I can tell you that now. (laughs) Um, I'm commandeering a meeting room at the hotel. I hope I'm allowed to be here. We'll see. (laughs) Yeah, long time before they kick you out. <laughs> trying to record in a one-bedroom suite with a three-year-old just did not seem like a good idea. <laughs> no. We appreciate your efforts, like So we went, uh, Ellie has not been sleeping since we're in the hotel. Actually, last night she whimpered. She's not been going to sleep easily, but last night she was whimpering. I want to go, I want to go to my home in her sleep, Aww. which was just heartbreaking. But we tried to get her to go to sleep by doing a drive tonight. And she was almost out. And we went way out to like, Julia, for your reference, like 293rd East Avenue and 71st in Broken Arrow. Oh, man. And I was like, okay, she's almost out. I'm going to turn around and head back to the hotel. And I turned down a street, and there's a house with Christmas lights on. And Ellie's like, <gasps> oh, Christmas lights, Christmas lights. Daddy, it's Christmas. We got to go get a tree. <laughs> <laughs> she was just so excited that it was obviously Christmas. Wow. Um, and we had to break it to her that they're still uh, – about eight months before we start decorating or anything for Christmas. and You broke her heart. I did. Yeah. I did. You should have just went out and gotten a tree. I don't know where you would have done that at. I, I'm sure that you wouldn't have complained <laughs> either, Tom. I would not complain, but, uh, well, I probably would right now um, with house remodel stuff going on. That's not fun. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> How was y'all's uh, week? It's almost you over. You're <laughs> recording late in the week. It makes me miss you guys earlier in the week. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. You can always tell when a Tuesday hits and we don't record because that Wednesday feels like wrong, right? <laughs> well, and it doesn't help that, right? Every other day of the week has a feeling, you know, the first day of the week, hump day, the day before Friday, Friday. So Tuesday's podcast day. And then we haven't been recording on Tuesdays for like a month now. <laughs> it hasn't been a whole month, has it? I'm pretty sure it's been just about a month at this point, at least mm-hmm. three weeks. I uh, was listening to a podcast today, and the uh, podcast host was out of her normal spot, and she was in Nyack, New York. And I was like, ooh, Anthony. Oh, hey. what podcast? Coffee with Sister Vasa. Huh. Right. <laughs> Just random. I didn't know the city of Nyack until you, and then I hear you know this podcast I like a lot. And she's there. Oh, cool. I, I'd be I'd be much more excited if I knew her, but I think I, I would assume that would be very exciting for people who listen. It was kind of the letdown when you said that. You're like, 
Oh, all right. No, no, no that's I'm cool. I'm hoping I knew her, but I don't. <laughs> She's well, good. Uh, if you guest. But what is also good is the awkwardness of the British office. Oh, man. It's really awkward. Um, so that's what we're talking about this week. We are talking about the British office Christmas episodes, which coincidentally were the last two episodes of the show. I didn't realize. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read a synopsis. If you're familiar with the American office, you're probably familiar with the synopsis of the British office, but let's give it its due credit. Um, Synopsis of the office is the story of an office that faces closure when the company decides to downsize its branches. A documentary film crew follows staff and the manager, David Brent, as they continue their daily lives. Should we give a little synopsis of the Christmas episodes particularly that we're doing. That's a good uh, idea. Which takes place three years after the documentary edit ended. Tim had confessed his love to Don. They're the Jim and Pam of the British show. And um, she turned him down and moved away to Florida with her fiance. And uh, David Brent had gotten fired and Gareth had taken his job, and that's basically where it left off. And now the Christmas episodes take place three years later, where the documentary crew is uh, bringing everyone who used to work at the office back for the Christmas party reunion. So one thing I didn't like here, right? I'm going to go on with this random aside that has nothing to do with the actual episode, but more of the show. Um, In the United States office, we never really learn why this film crew is there or what this is that they're filming. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually what they were making becomes a really pretty relevant storyline point in this, in the British office. And I just kind of liked the idea that I was following these people around for some unknown reason, Mm -hmm. as opposed to the idea that they were making a documentary about life in a random place. Um, It felt like it lost some of its magic to me. Do you think the American office would be at, would have been as successful with the not sure why they're following them around if there had not been a British office before that had to have a justification on why they were being followed around? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I know a lot of people who like the British office who have never seen, or who like the U.S. office who have never seen the British one. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think that's a pretty common point for a lot of uh, Americans. I, I feel like it's inevitable we'll be comparing the two versions throughout the night. Yeah. I don't know if that's good or bad don't think we can actually like properly compare them because they're two different things. Right. Well, I, well, yeah, I, yeah, no, you're right. I, but I think, I think it's fair to say we'll be referencing the American one. Maybe that's oh, for sure. But so before real- we do that, why don't we run through the cast? Yeah. Let's do casting credits because I did not know that there was duality between some of these things. So uh, the office was written and directed by Ricky Gervais who stars in the show and Stephen Merchant who does not, but is, equally hilarious. I love Stephen Merchant. Um, Ricky Gervais is best known for shows that have his name in the title (laughs) and some other things too. He was in, he was a writer for extras. Um, He was in Ghost Town, which is the movie I actually really like. Have y'all seen Ghost Town from 2008? Oh yeah. It's a great movie. Um, A ton of writing credits. Um, Derek, which was a more recent TV show he was didn't he star in and write that as well 
Um, and then obviously known for the office, but not just the British office, known for the American office for some writing credits. Plus he's the creator. So his name gets Plus he cameoed as David Brent on the American he office. Twice. <laughs> I was like, I was about to say once or twice. I can't remember. Twice. He met Michael Scott once and then he interviewed for Michael Scott's job after Michael left. <laughs> Oh my gosh. But I also want to call out two other Ricky Gervais credits. Uh, Afterlife, if you haven't watched that yet. Disco 54 mentioned on Reddit. If I had seen it already, it is incredible. You should binge it immediately. (laughs) And it's another one I've mentioned before, Life's Too Short, where he plays himself. And it stars uh, Warwick Davis. It's another mockumentary type thing. There's an office connection on there because Steve Carell guest starred in one via webcam. And Ricky Gervais is trying to get him to do an office re- come back for an office reunion. And uh-huh. Steve Crow like playing like a really jerky version of himself, like, nah, it's okay, I don't want to do that. It's like, okay, Steve, thanks. Thanks he hung up with him. I made his career that guy, ungrateful little guy, you know. Without <laughs> me, he would be nobody. And then he just <clears throat> Oh, hi Steve, are you still there? Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Standards. Oh man, that's funny. Um, I also quite like, did y'all ever watch An Idiot Abroad? Yes. Oh, I love that show. I really love that show. It makes me very happy. Um, So you can kind of take those credits and also put them to Stephen Merchant. They're uh, kind of writing duo powerhouse. So they have a lot of crossover um, material between the two of them. Um, I quite liked Stephen Merchant's cameo in Big Bang Theory as a guy that dated Amy Farrah Fowler, but only dated her really because he was obsessed with Sheldon. <laughs> and very funny. His awkwardness appeals to me a lot more than Ricky Gervais's brassness. Um, if I have to classify the personalities, <laughs> um, I love Stephen Merchant. He cracks me up. Any favorites from him for y'all? I loved his cameo spot on The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> it was I epic. loved that episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it took an awkward situation, like an awkward character, Sheldon, and made his, uh, an even more awkward storyline. <laughs> and when Amy's trying to like say, "Oh, this isn't going to work out," and, he, and he's like completely fine with it, but ask Sheldon to meet up at some point to talk. So funny. <laughs> So starring in the British office um, as what we see in America as Michael Scott, it is David Brent on the British version. That's Ricky Gervais. We went over his credits. Um, It is a different character from Michael Scott. It is a, I would compare it closely to a first season Michael Scott, which I'm sure I'm not even the first person to make that comparison, but um, he's just a little different. than what I'm used to, <laughs> for better or worse. I'm not a big Richie, Ricky Gervais fan. Are y'all big Ricky Gervais fans? Uh, I can take him or leave him. I think as a person, he does a lot of good animal rights type stuff, which I admire. He's like yeah. very big animal advocate, which is awesome. But as an actor, I actually like when he does some more semi-serious stuff than the comedy. So is that afterlife? Is it kind of semi-serious? Yes. I've not seen it. So. I, mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. They are funny. You know, he's sure. funny. Well, I mean, it's, um, it's much more dramatic than you usually see him. Okay. I need to check that out. I think I would probably like that Ricky Gervais better. <laughs> yes. It's actually his animal rights that makes me dislike him so much. Are you serious? No. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> Just being a contrarian to Anthony. <laughs> Boy, that was some silence, though, wasn't it? I was, <laughs> both, what? 
<laughs> I was just waiting for you to break a smile. I kept a straight face. Can you guys believe it? You did. That was <laughs> remarkable. Well I'm so done. proud of myself. Well done. Um, okay, so let's just let's get to my favorite person in the show, Martin Freeman. Martin I Freeman. Love this man. He baby can face off. Martin Freeman. He's baby. Oh my face. gosh. It was like watching season one of Jim with of uh, uh, the American with Jim, right? Yeah, oh yeah. It really, really was. So he's the Jim character that Americans are familiar with. He's that character on the British office. Tim. He's the one that started it all. Jim Tim. Tim. <laughs> um, you will probably recognize Martin Freeman from one of two places, I would say most notably. One from Sherlock, as he is Watson to um, Benedict Cumberbatch's Sherlock famously plays him. He's great. Or you'll probably notice him as um, Bilbo Baggins from the Hobbit. If you had to pick an iconic movie of Martin Freeman, which, what would you pick? Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Seriously? My favorite Tim on Sherlock. Sherlock. Oh, well, I, Sherlock's a, sh- yeah, I can agree with that. I, I was thinking movie, not TV show, but Sherlock is my favorite Martin Freeman and my favorite Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, I love him. Yeah. So you will also have seen Martin Freeman in Black Panther. Um, he was in Sherlock, Civil obviously. War. He was in Civil War. Yep. Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. He was awesome in Fargo, the TV series, not the movie. Um, fantastic TV series, by the way. I was really impressed with that. I never really got into The Hobbit. I don't like The Hobbit as much as I liked The Lord of the Rings. But Me neither. they're one of those I can watch. You know, I like the Lord of the Rings movies better. I like the Hobbit book better. I like really? the Lord of the Rings both better. I think Tolkien, in my Why opinion, they- like Martin, needed a better editor. Oh, really? Like to really cut stuff out? Yes. <laughs> oh, and see, I was the. I'm a big fan of the Children of Hurons, the Silmarillion. Um, I just couldn't get enough of his canon. I, I love his canon, but I feel like it, for his narrative works, a lot of that could have been put in extra type, you know, reference books. Hmm. We talked about the Hobbits before, I know, but I don't understand why the Hobbits change so much between Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. We went from mm-hmm. Gimli to like these studly, manly, attractive Hobbits. Yeah. So, so is the count up to three? How many franchises Martin Freeman and Benedict Cumberbatch are in? It's the MCU, it's the Hobbit, and it's um, Sherlock. Sherlock. Those three? Is there any more? Not that I can think of. But Martin Freeman has shown his face on our podcast before. Um, also as a baby face, Martin face. Freeman. Yeah, he showed more than face. <laughs> That's right. He was in Love Actually. One of my favorite storylines, actually, in Love Actually. Um, he was the stand-in for the porno, um, along with another girl. And it was a cute little love story in a very odd situation. And I applaud Love Actually for making me appreciate characters in that way. Um, love to, Christmas. Love to, to love the raunchy subplot. But see, it wasn't even raunchy. That's what's so bizarre about it. That's That's why it was so fresh. I know it was. That's your, I know it was. Um, Okay, so also starring, we're kind of hit the main four characters. Um, For those that enjoy the American office, I think this is kind of the Dwight character um, played by Mackenzie Crook Um, in the show. His name was Gareth. I know Mackenzie Crook from (laughs) 
Pirates of the Caribbean, where he's got the wooden eye. I think that's like the only place that's I know him from. A lot of um, almost human. Yeah, he's almost human. I've seen that before. Um, but yeah, not not a lot of other things that I'm familiar with. Though it looks like he's had a turn in Game of Thrones, and um, who was he in Game of Thrones? He was oh, Orel. I'm probably butchering that because I don't watch Game of Thrones. I don't remember that. I don't either. What season does it say? What season? 2013. Oh, so early Game of Thrones. I wonder if he had a wooden eye. <laughs> I like him in, in Pirates of the Caribbean. He makes me laugh. Um, it was very odd seeing him in this, though. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, he made me very odd. <laughs> very, very different than Dwight, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yes, very different. Yeah, we will talk about that. Very different from Dwight. So rounding out our main four characters um, who played Pam in the American version, we have Dawn, um, played by Lucy Davis. I know Lucy Davis the most from Shaun of the Dead, uh, but she was also most recently in Wonder Woman. She was the precious little like assistant um, that was very funny. She also stars uh, as, as Aunt Hilda on um, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix. Oh, the one that's just now out? Yeah, the one that just had its first season and the second half is supposed to debut in a week. Nice. Looks like she has quite a bit of TV credits to her name. Um, Ugly Betty. She was on Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Reaper TV series. Is that the one that's on TNT or something? I think it used... I think it... I know which one Reaper was, but I didn't think it originated on TNT. Okay. I probably have Maybe I think they... No, no, no. I think they do a lot of reruns on TNT now, but I think it's originally from like one of the main channel network channels. Gotcha. She has quite a long list of things that she's done. I think in general, she's very approachable, like an every woman. And I really liked that about her. She's a little spicier than Pam, but I think she still works as that character, right? Yeah. Yeah. You sure about that, Tom? <laughs> I don't I don't like her the way I, I'm not cheering for her as much as I am. I was Pam. Mm. And it's probably because I'm an American and I want instant gratification and I want my couples to end up together earlier on. So we were just talking about so let's that. Let's get into that. <laughs> I don't love I don't love British pessimism in my uh, in my entertainment. I would call it realism. But we were just talking about that before you hopped on that how would you have felt like I mean, maybe you did watch it like as it aired, but Julia said she would have been annoyed had she been watching this as it aired and she had to wait a year and a half for a happy ending compared to... Yeah. Yeah, I was very surprised going into these two final episodes. First, I missed a bit, right? Like, I hadn't seen any of the series itself, and that would have really helped me out a lot to have seen that. Um, But I was asking Anthony before we started recording right after I finished watching it, do they really not have a happy ending to this show prior to the last two episodes? And he's like, nope. And I was like, how much space was between the end and the last two episodes? And he said, what'd you say, like a year and a half? It, it, within the show, it's three years, but between the, when they aired, it was a year and a half. Yep. That would have been absolute torture. And I would have been very angry to not have an ending that was... <laughs> You know, an uptick. Because they knew they were ending the show, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. But, I mean, oh, the British are known for these Christmas specials, right? So they wanted, right. They pro- so they wanted to, you know, do a 
They probably wanted to do a big, you know, savor for the Christmas big special. Deal. Yeah. Give everybody what they want, get those ratings. The much sought after. At least they didn't movie. pull a down to Nabby and kill somebody off. <laughs> he had it coming. Hey, that movie's coming out soon. Don't you dare say that. He did. I think he has some skeletons in his closet we don't know about. Uh, no, he didn't. He was perfect. Matthew? Um, so so yeah, wait, right? Joey, you, you've never seen the show? No, I've never seen the show. But Tom, you were a fan of it, correct? I, w- okay, so I have to give the caveat I am, but I never finished it. Well, so I'm the only one who finished it? I just got oh, distracted by other things. Yeah, so I still got some missing, some missing stuff in there. I, uh, I can't tell you why I didn't. So, Julia, just so you know, the first episode of the British show, well, we, I should say the first episode of the American show is like word for word, shot for shot, the British show. They basically just it told is. the script, changed a few references, but it's literally the same exact script and everything. That's so bizarre. And math and uh, Michael really does not play Michael. Jerky. Yeah, He's, he plays David Friend. Yeah. He does. And that's why I didn't, I don't think, enjoy the first season of The Office very much. Mm-hmm. Right? And we've He's talked about that before. Great, yeah. I like the warmer Michael Scott. Um, I did like that Pam slash Dawn are both artists. That was very nice. The, the Dawn, Tim, and Pam and Jim relationship, I'm glad they kept that. I mean, I think they kind of had to, but I mean. So that was. That was one of the stronger parts of this. I'm going to call it one episode because it was a two-part episode, right? Right. One of the stronger parts of the special for me was the Tim and Don stuff. I mean, you know, the whole plot of the special is them getting back, getting together. Mm -hmm. But that scene where Don first comes back to the office after being away for three years and, uh, that just the looks they keep exchanging where you know they left it on such an awkward note like she left mm-hmm. after he confessed his love for her or whatever and just mm-hmm. these like nervous but excited and happy looks they keep exchanging i thought it was really good non-verbal acting between the two of them it made it yeah. awkward even if you didn't know what was going on right yes mm-hmm. yeah it was absolutely awkward for me and i really didn't know what was going on i could taste the awkwardness <laughs> yeah it was good, though. The angst was there, but I like how they sort of also seemed to slip right back into the role they were in three years previously when they started joking around with Gareth and trying to get him to say stuff that he didn't realize he was saying. I liked that, and that felt very close to Jim and Pam for me, too. So, yeah. Yeah, I felt Martin Freeman as Tim, much more in line with John Krasinski as Jim, or yes. I guess he would say vice versa, than Don and Pam were. Like Dawn yeah. was, like you said, spicier version of what Pam would become on the U.S. show. But mm-hmm. Jim and Tim were very, very on point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although it was funny to me that Dawn's fiance reminded me a whole lot of Pam's fiance at the very beginning. Like how he 100%. didn't get the same jokes. And yeah, Ethan was looking over my shoulder and he's never seen any of the British office. And I told him who each person was similar to. And he was like, wow, that's kind of like, what was his name? Roy? You know, the fiance, that's what he said. And I'm like, yeah. And we couldn't remember Roy either. So that's extra funny. So I thought that was funny that they kept that dynamic. But Gareth is absolutely not Dwight, even though I kind of get it supposed to be Dwight. I'm really glad they, yeah. I'm glad think? they took Dwight the way they took Dwight. Where he Gareth is, is a lot meeker. After. Yeah. 
I don't know when you start getting Gareth to talk about like the military. Some, yeah, the military. Mm-hmm. He totally turned into Dwight. Oh, there were you yeah. could tell he was Dwight. There were Dwight moments. But I felt overall, even his interactions with David, like how mm-hmm. David would just come into the office despite being fired. Like he owns the place, and Gareth, you could tell, felt awkward kicking him out. Whereas we've seen the situation where Dwight was in charge a few times, and he had no trouble like acting superior to Michael in those situations. But Dwight also had a lot more tenderness towards Michael Scott than Gareth seems to have towards Brent. Yes, that's also true. So tenderness and know. reverence, almost reverence. I mean, yeah, reverence exactly. I mean, he really did. I, yeah. I mean, that was one of the moments that reminded me of the American office was when Gareth was doing the dating profile with David. Like, we've seen Dwight and Michael do that a a million times. (laughs) I will say, I really liked the last 10 minutes of the two-parter. So the the absolute last 10 minutes of it. Um, When, so when Gareth, Brent, and... Tim are standing around drinking before Don comes back in felt just like Michael Dwight and Jim could have been standing around drinking before Pam comes in. Right. Um, the atmosphere in the office was beautiful for as far as Christmas. It made me feel like an office Christmas party, you know, like, well, I say beautiful. It wasn't like stunningly gorgeous, but it gave me the feels because everybody was laughing together and having a drink and jovial with people that you have to work with every day. And I really liked that a lot. It reminded me of the American Office Christmas episode. I was going to say the Christmas stuff left me things to be desired for me. I yeah, agree. Not, not felt beautiful. I shouldn't have said beautiful. Realistic? Yeah, it was realistic. But I it's felt real. like it made... <laughs> remember when we were talking about the American Office, you said season two, the Secret Santa one. You're like, it was, oh, that was a realistic christmas stuff but i don't want realistic realistic christmas i want the <laughs> over the blown but i felt that made the decorations of that one seem overblown compared to what was in this one it did i don't know it seemed that, to that, suit I mean, it very well oh it suited it absolutely mm-hmm. 100%. It did. i will agree with that 100 percent. it felt like a depressing office environment right mm-hmm. and like that's one thing about this show too like like the american office they eventually all kind of sort of became they were friend like the, this show they're not friends they're oh that scene where, where david is trying to get people to go out and have a beer with him oh so awkward. oh it's so awkward <laughs> i felt so bad for him the guy who gives him such a hard time is that supposed to be like a a gabe character or is he more of a to- i couldn't figure out who he was supposed to be he, he, he was basically um jan david wallace type Okay. David Wallace. That's what I thought too. But not like like none of David Wallace's likable traits at all. Yeah, exactly. Right. So there are a few things throughout this episode that reminded me of things on the US office, like just scenes mm-hmm. and stuff. And that one kind of reminded me when Michael quit when Charles Minor was in charge and he was like, Okay, let's go. Come on, who's coming with me? Let's go. Oh. And like it was just sitting there, like trying to avoid his eyes. <laughs> It makes it that much sweeter at the end when that girl asks him to call her, makes a little phone sign, and like his face literally lights up, and you it makes you happy. Just oh, so that's one of the things I love about this. Like especially having watched the whole show, 
right? Mm-hmm. But especially the American, so one of the things this show did better than the American office was putting that little bow on David and Chris Finch's when he tells him to F off after he calls her a dog. And I wish Michael got a moment like that with Todd Packer on, that's a Todd Packer on this show. <laughs> and I yeah, wish yeah. Michael had you gotten a moment both. like that with Todd. Yeah, that would have been vindication. You and me yeah. both. Oh, I hated that oh. character. I did too. But you're supposed to, so I guess that's right. This show gets much raunchier than the American version does. Yeah. <laughs> when the Angela obnoxious accountant character, I don't know what her name was. I should probably. The she pregnant one? She describes in great depth <laughs> how she and her husband conceived. <laughs> wow. I was so uncomfortable. I felt, I was just, I don't know. I put myself in Tim's Tim shoes and I was, I was wincing. Well, it was so matter of fact that character cracked me up she was so funny to me and i think what made it funny even funnier was tim's expressions whenever he yes. had to listen to her <laughs> yeah he she's totally not, sounds <laughs> she's trying not she's not trying to be pervy but man <laughs> yeah so the show is definitely raunchier at least does the innuendo a lot more uh Mm-hmm. than the u.s one does like in the very first episode of this show again it's the same script as the u.s office michael scott when he's introducing pam to the camera is like one point or another pam slept with every guy in the office and she's like what and uh in this show david brent's like this is dawn every guy's woken up at the crack of dawn and she's like excuse me. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Um, oh, what a character! He, yeah, okay. Like, while I'm with you, Julia, I love the last ten minutes where he actually makes this human connection, and this woman humanizes yeah. him, and it's awesome. But when he's going on all these dates, from talking about the one woman's breasts to finding the other woman dull then seeing the heavy woman walking in and afraid it was his date and then like laughing relief when he realized she wasn't there for him like (laughs) i couldn't i was like this is so awkward this is awful he's an awful person (laughs) that's why i didn't feel the need for his redemption arc with her no i think everybody needs a redemption arc i don't feel like he needed that from somebody I didn't feel like he earned it. Well, I I mean, he is, though. He's also, like, suffering. Like, you know that he... He's pathetic. And, yeah, he is. He's just pathetic. Yeah. He's trying... That's another part of the storyline that was really... It was supposed to be funny, but it was also really obnoxious with him as a celebrity. Yeah. There there was some moments of that. I liked when he was... Because I liked that I took him down to pay when he was on the phone with that one girl he's supposed to date. And like trying oh. to talk about who he was. And she was like, he was like, have you ever seen the British documentary, The Office? She was like, don't tell me you're that awful boss. And you could just oh. see the hurt on his face, but he deserved it. He did deserve yeah, it. It. <laughs> it still makes you, oh, still made me sad a little. Well, like it was those uh, pathetic moments that reminded me the most of Michael. Because Michael's not yeah. a jerk, but Michael definitely got pathetic a lot of the time. Oh, he did. Oh, and he and was a jerk sometimes. Oh, yeah, he was. But yeah, not as consistently. His still seemed more kind-hearted even when he was a jerk. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. I, oh. I can't see David Brent promising a bunch of inner city children to pay their way through university like Michael Scott. Oh. <laughs> it doesn't matter that he's not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Since y'all have seen most of the show or mm-hmm. all of the show, um, did you feel like this was a good way to end it? Absolutely. 100%. It, well, it, was, okay. it was a per- – so for me, it was perfect – series finale for the show it wrapped up mm-hmm. david brent's arc perfectly i found because he got to tell finch to f off he got a spark of romance and he for the first time in the show got his co-workers to laugh at the in those final moments so mm-hmm. i thought that was a perfect sweet ending tim and don got together which the whole show is yep. building up to like yep. and when you watch the show you realize like the american version it's really a show about the two of them, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Gareth got the job. Mm-hmm. So, yep. like, it wrapped up all four arcs perfectly, and I I loved how it ended. I just, if we're, you know, we're a Christmas podcast, we're talking about the Christmas aspects of it. The Christmas aspects left a lot for me, a lot to be desired in my mind. Uh, the music wasn't there. The office was not decorated and didn't have the feels. I mean, at least... Uh, in the American office, when they decorate, they had the like big tree, like nothing else really mattered, but they always had a good tree and the office always felt more decorated. This mm-hmm. one didn't have the decoration and the music was just not. Mm-mm. Oh, I like that they played simply having a wonderful Christmas time. It's one of my least I mean, favorite it sounded like It sounded like office Christmas music. <laughs> You know, like somebody had a CD laying around and they popped it in and I don't know. So, it all seemed to fit. Oh, it definitely fit the tone the show was going for. Like, and I think that's the thing, right? The American office was in style a lot more polished and uh, a lot more polished looking, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like this one looked like much more of a real documentary than the American mm-hmm. one. It did. I'll give you that. Um, so did you think of the moment... So when Dawn's in the car and opens her gift and it's her, the picture she drew with the little note from Tim saying mm-hmm. never give up. Did you think of the moment when Jim interviewed for the corporate job and he opened the file and Pam had slipped in the gold medal from the office Olympics with the note, don't forget <laughs> us when you're famous? Aww. That was yeah. definitely like, they definitely, the American one definitely paid homage to that scene with that. Mm-hmm. That was so sweet. I really liked that scene. Me too. Oh, and that scene when Tim and Dawn and Dawn's fiance are talking about uh, her being an artist. And you could tell Tim doesn't want to get into it. He's trying not to make things awkward and mm-hmm. it's just uncomfortable. I felt so bad mm-hmm. for her, Dawn. I did too. Yeah. So any, any favorite quotes or scenes from these two Christmas episodes? Yes. Kick us off. So it's, I have a more kind of like a more serious one from Tim. And it's kind of his little monologue at the end before Dawn comes back. And he's like, the people you work with are people you were just thrown together with. You know, you don't know them. It wasn't your choice. And yet you spend more time with them than you do your friends or family, which is resonated. You know, that's resonant. (laughs) But probably all you've got in common is the fact that you walk around on the same bit of carpet for eight hours a day. And so obviously when someone comes in who you, you have a connection with, yeah. And Dawn was a ray of sunshine in my life and it meant a lot. But if I'm really being honest, I never really thought I would have a happy ending. 
I don't know what a happy ending is. Life isn't about endings, is it? It's a series of moments. And, um, you know, it's not if you, you know, if you turn the camera off, it's not an ending. I'm still here. My life's not over. Come back, come back here in 10 years. See, I'm doing then because I can be married with kids. You don't know. Life just goes on. And that was kind of like, it was sad, but it was resonant, right? About his. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he wasn't mopey. And I really liked that. And you just know that he actually is married with kids down the road, which made me happy too. I'm like, oh, I bet you are. <laughs> it, it was. Again, again, it reminded me of when Pam thought Jim was moving off to New York with Karen and she was giving her, she wasn't mopey. She was like, and if Jim, you know, we're friends and if Jim ends up with Karen, that's great. I'm happy for them. Yeah. I liked the Nelson Mandela part. I don't have the quote written down, but that whole bit reminded me of Michael Scott too, because he would do that totally awkward stuff. (laughs) But that whole scene was so funny to me with the dog and named him yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i love that part <laughs> oh and, oh and then just to piggyback off that because i don't have the quote but that whole scene with the dog and then where <laughs> he kicks david out of the office the david wallace character kicks david out of the office and he says something like the dog's not welcome back either and david thinks like that's the perfect point to attack him on oh you see that he's kicking the dog out he's not letting the dog visit you guys anymore <laughs> um i liked i don't have it down but i liked where uh david's on a date and he's randomly telling a girl that lemons have more sugar than strawberries (laughs) like just totally uh, like something michael would do just making up random facts yeah yeah his response when he saw her with that chiffon scarf on and he's like, oh, so she's going to have a white chiffon scarf on. He turns around and sees her and he's like, oh, for F's sake. <laughs> Under his breath and you just see his face and you're like, oh, I feel so bad for you, but not really. So he reminded me of Michael a lot because at one point the interviewer asked him, how would you like to be remembered? And his response was, simply as a man who put a smile on the face of everyone he met. And that was such a Michael answer. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I wanted people to be afraid of how much they love me. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't I feel like there's some Gar- there's some good Gareth ones. You know, you know another difference between Gareth and Dwight. Gareth is actually like excited to see. Don- I know Dwight became friends with Jim and Pam in the end, but like mm-hmm. he was excited to see Don and all these people who used to work there come back and everything. Whereas I don't know mid mid year Dwight mid mid office Dwight wouldn't have been that into all of that. Yeah. He would have ragged so, on him or something like, why are you back? Yep. Yeah, it was different. I, I have a quote from Gareth that I think does remind me a lot of Dwight where he says, uh, I did learn a lot from David. I learned a lot of mistakes. We're very different people. He used humor where I used discipline. And I learned that nobody respects him. And in a war situation, if you want your platoon to go over the top with you to certain death, it's no good saying, please come with me, lads. I'll tell you a joke. It's a direct order. Come with me and they'll go. Yes, he's got good leadership skills. Let's all go with it to our certain death. Also, if you're laughing in the jungle, you can give away your position. <laughs> I could see Dwight say that exact quote. I could too. Yeah, definitely. Oh, and you know, it reminded me of Dwight too when he sat Dawn down like, oh, what's new? Are you doing the art? Good. You're getting a real career. Listen, if you ever want to come back, you know, <laughs> give you a job, benefits, you can't do a hobby. 
and I mentioned it earlier, and I don't I don't have the quote, but I do love the scene where David sees the woman he thinks is his date, and then she's like a you know, bigger woman, and you just see his face, he looks panicked. And then she asks, Is so and so inside? He's like, Oh thank God, I thought you were here for me. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's name, she was looking for monkey. <laughs> monkey. <laughs> <laughs> And I kind of like Tim constantly going back and forth. No, I'm not going to ask Dawn again. She'll have to ask me. Well, maybe I'll ask her. And he just keeps going back and forth a few times with that. And I like how she didn't ask. She just came in and kissed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that too. Yeah. Yeah, I like that too. It gave me all the feels. It did. Like the, there, there are, I felt like, I felt like there was a Linus moment in this show. There's growth. Oh, so yeah, but that's, for that's not what Dawn. Christmas is all about though. Is it? No, that's true. I don't know. I mean, I think, I don't know that it would have been as successful if it was not set at Christmas time because you do have that whole atmosphere and the camaraderie and the warmth that doesn't usually exist between people in an office space, right? And it was a reason for her to come back. I mean, at its I'm, basic plot level, it was a reason for her to come back. I'm going to push back and say, <laughs> but, but even with all that, it did not feel like Christmas. It didn't need to be set at Christmas. They could have done. No. The American office, there was a reason to come back. They did a reunion thing one year later. It didn't have to be Christmas. They could, they would have flown everyone back anyway. Could have. That's mm-hmm. what these shows, documentaries tend to do. Mm-hmm. And I felt like Christmas in this was tagged on almost as an afterthought. Yeah. Well, except the gift exchange, which reminded me a lot of all of the thought that Jim put into his Pam gifts. No, that's true. That, no, that's true. That's, I mean, that's that true. was a pivotal I'll, moment, I'll, right? That's that what really got her realized, Yep. I'll give you that. Go back. That's and, 100%. But I don't know if that's a Linus moment or not. You know what I mean? I won't call it a Linus moment, but I'll, I'll say to you that, okay, you're right. That justified it being fat at Christmas because that's yeah. what gets her to go back. Yeah. But I still feel they've, I mean, they're writers. They could have come up with anything. I feel overall, <laughs> if it hadn't been for that moment, this episode could have been set any other time of the year if it hadn't been for that moment. Because the rest of the, the Christmas thing- stuff, so the whole the whole reason we're saying it's a Christmas movie is because they need or a Christmas episode is that they need that secret Santa. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I, it just doesn't feel like Christmas to me. I don't think I'm they're still going to say it was a uh, movie set at Christmas. A, a show set at Christmas. Yeah. Uh, I'm torn because you really hit me with that argument, Julia. Well, outside of the office, it doesn't feel like Christmas at all. It really no. is just in. The and office. really, this oh. is part one oh, and part two. It doesn't look, it doesn't even, the office doesn't even look Christmassy till part two. Right. The first and one doesn't still, at all. Even if I, if I had muted it and watched that Christmas scene though, I don't know that I would know it was Christmas. I don't know. Yeah. It could have been New Year's and he could have just given her a gift. Could have. Because he missed her because he hadn't seen her for three years and he was trying to encourage her to follow her dreams. I don't know. You're never forget who you are. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> where are we ranking this we have an obscure christmas show ranking list because <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have enough episodes to warrant its own list so this one is just on the tv specials list it's, it's all the way on the last tab in excel with the brady bunch the ghost the x-files and supernatural they're only three things up. Can we rank this in comparison to the other office? The U.S. office is what I was going to ask. I will. I will. I mean, I don't know what Jilly thinks, but I would say I would say no because you said yourself at the beginning they're two different things in the end. They really are. 
it's hard to compare. Well, them. I mean, Santa Claus is coming to town is different from the office the, too. I mean, but you mean like it's okay to put it there because it's a big. But one. that that that's yeah. not. But that's not on the Santa Claus is coming to town list. I just don't know. No. I don't have. I don't have any way to compare this with X Files, Supernatural, and Brady Bunch. Mm. Super weird list is is <laughs> not working for me. The I, I don't know I where else. To, I don't know where else to put this crap. So let's have this crap list here. <laughs> right. Hey, um, the ghost is still Christmas. Is not crap. No, but the All list. Christmas programming. The list is. <laughs> yeah. I thought super. I mean, I like the supernatural Christmas episode too, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can put it on the office one if you want. I'm open. Julia, what's your say? Yeah, I'm cool with that. We can so rank it off- against the other office episodes. That's going to take me a minute, though, to resurrect in my brain the ones. Totally up to you guys. I'm, I see, I, I was just asking because I see a case for both. I feel like there may be some bias, though, in that ranking. There's bias know. in a lot of our rankings. No, that's true. That's true. It's whatever you guys want to do, I'm open. Case in point, the hot ghost of Christmas. <laughs> I forgot all about that one. <laughs> okay. Um, do we need to discuss if this, in fact, well, or did we? Is this a Christmas show or is this not a Christmas show? I know Tom's a no. Anthony's on the fence. I'm on the fence and you're a yes. I'm a yes. All right, oh, that's so we funny. That's funny. We fall the spectrum on this one. <laughs> Decided nothing. <laughs> no, you're the tiebreaker, Anthony. No pressure, Anthony. Oh. Because that will uh, that will weigh into our rankings, whether we want it to or not, right? Because the more Christmassy a thing is, the higher we tend to rank it. As this is a Christmas podcast. My my thing though is I don't think it is Christmassy apart from the gift scene. Okay, then tell I like seventy-five. I would say eighty percent of this special is not a Christmas special. I would agree with that. But the so I would say if you're going with uh, going with the majority of if you're looking at it that way, no, this is set at Christmas. It's not a Christmas special though. Okay, so So by that reasoning, then let's rank this sucker on our office Christmas episodes list. I'm going to give it a three point five. Even though Moroccan Christmas felt more Christmassy, this I enjoyed the storyline of the development here more. I'm gonna go with a four point five because I liked this better as well than Moroccan Christmas, but more than Tom liked it. <laughs> Tom, I am giving it the same score, three point five. Wow. So this is three point eight three which puts it at number six in between Dwight's Christmas and Moroccan Christmas. Dwight's Christmas is the best. That should have been way higher. It's all you, Anthony. Uh, Julia and I both gave Dwight's Christmas a 10. Dwight's Christmas was was my favorite. Julia Julia got me a shirt based on that. Do you know why I ranked this one higher than Dwight's Christmas? Because this one had more Christmassy feelings to me than Dwight's Christmas did. There's nothing more Christmassy than Belschnickel. Nothing. The little Charlie Brown tree in this episode and the Secret Santa exchange. See, Dwight would just hit you with that Charlie Brown tree. You know what? You fish. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So, it falls between Dwight's Christmas and Moroccan Christmas. Christmas Wishes is still last, and that's the one with Robert California. Bad. 
bad one. God, that, everything about him. I just don't like Robert California. Yeah, no, neither. All right. Well, I, I'm really glad we got to venture into the British office. I think I might go back and watch the rest of the series. I feel like that, that I need I mean, to give it a fair shake. It'll take you no time to get through it. It's only like 12 episodes. Yeah, it's right. not much at all. Right. Um, still a little bad it's been spoiled for me now, but also kind of glad that it'll get me through that last non-Christmas episode episode where it doesn't end happily. <laughs> I really need that. <laughs> so we did get some feedback for this episode, but there was feedback for last week's episode, a piece of feedback I wanted to read because... President Hot Dog on Reddit answered one of our burning questions. He commented, So, why doesn't Santa share shoes and modern technology with the Flintstones? Simple answer. Santa is bound by the Prime Directive. According to Star Trek, they can't interfere with natural development of a planet, especially one that isn't ready for spaceflight. So Santa, who can bend space and time to his will, and can probably fly to space based on Santa Claus conquers the Martians, can't spread his technology, shoes, to the primitive Morlocks or the Flintstones verse, of the Flintstones verse. So he sold me on that. I, That's I, like the single best description of why <laughs> Santa does what he does. I'm right. not buying it. <gasps> What's your problem with it, Tom? I mean, Santa's bringing gifts. So, I mean, a gift that simple seems to make sense. When we're flying over magically, I mean, like when, when, when Barney and Fred are flying over the Swiss village, it's obviously a modern village. Something weird is going on with bedrock. I don't know what it is. Give up the Swiss village, man. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And also, if this is real time, like 10,000 BC, it's, it's you know. We're going to get to the bottom of this by the time we finish this show and cover all the <laughs> Christmas specials. It's like 9,000 600 years before St. Nicholas was born, so, and like 10,000 years before Christ was born. So there's some weirdness going on here. I'm convinced, and Anthony's, Anthony brought the, the theory up that the Jetsons and the Flintstones actually exist at the same time. The Jetsons exist above the clouds in their space area to avoid the nuclear fallout that the Flintstones are living in from whatever World War has wiped everybody out, which is why they have quasi-intelligent animals and why they have knowledge of Christ. And why they have are aware of technology and just using yeah. animals to facilitate it. Yeah. So we also got two comments on the Office Christmas special this week. One from Disco54 who lives in England. He said, I'm really curious about this episode. People think The Office is about David Brent, but it's really not. It's a perfect little love story about Tim and Dawn that bubbles away in the background. These episodes are just perfect and what you want at Christmas. Everyone gets redemption and it's a happy ending and you see the beginning of Ricky Gervais' really amazing writing about people that he's carried on with things like Derek and Afterlife. Which if you haven't seen, drop everything and watch now. Do it now, every episode, because it's amazing. And then, and then, uh, about that, uh, the, the sentiment there of what we see at the end and the redemption arcs. And then Dunder and Blixum, O3, also commented and they wrote, I just rewatched the whole series after Christmas Creeps covered these a few weeks ago. I think the feeling behind the UK office Christmas finale and the US office Christmas episodes could not be more divergent. That's true. But I also think the UK's finale is stronger and that it redeems every character arc and leaves the viewer with a sense of optimism that the rest of the show is severely lacking. 
intentionally, of course. The U.S. office doesn't need that redemption because the entire thing isn't as glum, so the bubbly Christmas episodes are just that. So although U.K. doesn't have the same traditional Christmas feels, I think the finale is a brilliant end to the show. Yeah, yeah. I can agree with all that, too. Yep. Definitely. Yeah, think about how bright and shiny the ending felt based on the rest of the series, if that's the tone of the yeah, whole Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. It would be just a huge payoff for watchers. There's well, I'll be curious. They know what they're doing. <laughs> I'll be curious to see if you go back and rewatch and watch it through and yeah. then get to it again and see how yeah. it feels in the context yeah. of the whole series. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Cool. So can I transition from Christmas to Halloween for a moment? Definitely. Okay. Um, me and Julie are talking off camera. Were you a fan of those scary stories to tell in the dark books as a kid? Yeah. Did you see the new movie trailer they dropped today for the movie? No. Oh, man. So Guillermo del Toro is uh, I love doing it, it and <laughs> it looks aw- It looks like what they show in it. It's only a teaser trailer, but it looks exactly like the illustrations. which are the scariest parts of those books. So I'm Damn so excited. I'm excited, I'm so excited. Also, but I was telling you, terrifying. <laughs> terrifying. I love. Always checked out. Didn't they have two of them? They had three. Three of them. They were always checked out from the library, and if you got one, it was like awesome time because you oh, actually yeah. got one, and that was like winning a lottery when you were a kid. So, like I so was. let me ask you guys, which story, like if you were top of your head now, you'd be on time to prepare, resonated with you the most? The girl in the bathtub taking that hot bath, and she had a sore on her face for the longest time, and it hatched, and it was spider eggs coming out of her face in the hot bathtub. Freaked me out. Oh, my gosh. This does look amazing. Holy cow. What was yours? Guys, that looks amazing. (laughs) It does. I know. So Uh, what story is yours? So I immediately think of the spider one. Oh, my God. Like you. But the other one that I thought of, do you remember the story about the girl who gets dared to go into the graveyard and stick the knife in the grave? Do you remember that one? Oh, I don't remember that, that one. She, she's dared. It's like a sleepover. So she's dared to go into the graveyard, stick a knife in the grave so you know you're brave enough to do it. In the morning, it'll be there. So she goes, sticks a knife in the grave, she tries to get up. <gasps> she can't get up because something's grabbed her. So she screams and screams and screams. Friends find her in the morning. She's dead. Turns out nothing grabbed her. She accidentally stuck the knife through the hem of her dress, so she thought something grabbed her. She scared herself to death. <gasps> I don't remember that one. Yeah. That was from the second book. That was right? from the second book, yep. I'm trying to think. Uh, I haven't thought about these in forever. I think the one that got me... Do you guys remember? There was one with, like, the guy like ends up mysteriously like in the road people are scared of him everywhere right i don't remember the whole thing but uh you can't just leave us hanging like that uh, i'm trying to remember, I don't remember I, that one wait but wait is that a different one than the guy who they kept seeing him and he's saying this you're one, next year. no this one the guy ends up like he like finds out he's been dead for years or something oh, that he's one been sounds... a ghost the whole time i don't know oh. i obviously don't remember, remember the one of the girl with a ribbon necklace I do. I love that. Oh, 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 I remember that one too. Ju- Julia, the spider one is definitely in the movie because they showed the boil in the trailer. That's bad. That's nasty. You remember there was the hook too? The hook? The <gasps> headlight? I remember the hook one. Yep. Those were terrifying. 
the the I one where my the, mom would see them and she thought they were super sketchy and like evil when I brought them home. So I had to like sneak them home in other books. I could read them and they <laughs> terrified me, terrified me. Yes. Oh my gosh. The who did the illustrations? Is that some famous person or all I they've ever created by Stephen Gamble. Oh my gosh. His but, I mean, that's what was so terrifying about him. But you want to talk about what's horrific now? The reprints have different illustrations, so they're nowhere near as scary. Oh, that's lame. Yeah, Kids but this, these know. ones have all the original ones. So. Oh, and the one with the elevator? I don't remember an elevator. The one where the lady was on the elevator, or she was going to get on the elevator and decided not to, and then the elevator dropped. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. She, she Because she kept seeing... That might be the same one. She kept seeing some strange guy that creeped her out, and he was on the elevator beckoning for her to come, and she decided not to get on. He, was driving, driving, he was driving a car next to her, remember? The hearse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. I remember. Yep. yep. Oh, I don't remember that one. Do you, do you remember... Um, the one where the bride got locked in the trunk and they found her years later and it's like her bony corpse in the wedding dress. I don't remember that one. Anyways, listeners, if you haven't read Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, there are three of them, anthology stories. Go read them because they're awesome. And make sure you look at the illustrations because that's what makes them scary too. Oh man, that's what makes them super scary. And check out the movie trailer because it looks sweet. And Tom, I was also telling Julia off- Mike, that Shazam was awesome, and we must cover it when it comes on Blu-ray because it's it's uh, one for to debate whether it's a Christmas movie or set at Christmas. Ooh, fun! Yep, mm-hmm. that's what I said. So, listeners, let us know what you thought of the Office British Christmas specials. What you thought of the show overall? How you think it compares to the U.S. ones? Let us know what you if you have any fond memories of scary stories to tell in the dark, or if you've seen Shazam, and let us know. Um, interact with us. We have a pretty active Reddit community at r slash Tissa Podcast Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram. And can't you visit these all by going to www.tissapodcast.com slash Facebook slash Twitter slash Instagram and slash Reddit. Is that right, Tom? And you can, and slash Patreon, which we have a Patreon, and we have a new Patreon subscriber. I have talked to uh, both of our Patreon subscribers who are going to be joining us for episodes, and we are working them into the schedule. So you'll be hearing from two of our Patreons, our community members who are excited to help support. For as little as a dollar a month, you can get extra bonus content. We have some bonus episodes, plus we put our blooper reels or our outtakes now on there, so you can hear what we talked about that didn't make it into the regular episode but is usually probably more funny than a lot of the stuff we put in there so or head over to tisthepodcast.com slash patreon guys i think since i know now we all had a love for scary stories to tell in the dark that'd be a cool halloween episode to do like go through that book check those books out of the library and go through them and just talk about some of our favorite stories that'd be fun if we can get them because you know they'll be checked out at the library Julie, I hope you leave your kids on them. Though, right? I was about to say, did you? So what you were just saying? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm quasi tempted to, but like I could not let the seven year old see it because he gets wicked nightmares like from nothing, and if he saw, never forget. Oh yeah. So can I tell you, no joke, for those who can't see, I'm holding up the anthology of all three books now, and the cover is a really, like, it's a corpse woman, basically. 
I can't have this at the end of the bookshelf or the cover show. I have to stick it between books because the pictures <laughs> freak me scary. out. Yeah. You're scared of children's really books. Scary. They're cute. <laughs> hey, I have no shame admitting those pictures terrify me. <laughs> Next week, we are covering a claymation Christmas special, which I know a lot of people are looking forward to. A lot of people have some feelings for that one. <laughs> have either of you two seen it? I forget. I remember those um, California raisins, but I couldn't put them in context to to tell you why. So I don't know if I've seen it or not. Is that the only thing California raisins were on? Was this special? Well, they no. were also you know, before the movies. They used to have the little song and dance commercials and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Then I'm not sure if I've seen this yet. And the week after that, we are covering Disney's Nutcracker, which just came out last year. So we have an interesting few weeks coming up. In other news, we are only 6,432 hours away from Christmas. That's 268 days. That's 38 weeks, guys. We're flying. Oh my gosh. It's only 38 weeks. I can do that. Which, when you think about it, you if you were to decorate the beginning of November, 30 weeks until we're in the season. Heck yes. I am all about it. We'll come back next week with a bunch of claymation under your belt, for better or worse, as we revisit the glory of... It's Rankin Bass, right? It's a weird no. Rankin Bassness. No. Oh, so this is claymation that hasn't stood the test of time. Well, objectively like Rankin Bass's specials did. Oh boy. We'll get your comments in everybody before we meet again next week and have a Merry Christmas. So long. Farewell. I'll feed it and goodbye. Bye.